0: Welcome to the Layer 8 Podcast, Season 2. This season, we'll again hear from the experts. These experts are social engineers and open-source intelligence investigators. Sometimes, they'll tell us stories about their experiences, and sometimes, we'll have some questions for them. We hope you will enjoy them. Welcome to another episode of the Layer 8 Podcast. We have a guest here today that a lot of you probably know. We have Technoset. Welcome, Technoset
1: hi thank you so much for having me
0: thank you for joining us for the benefit of our listeners could you let them know a little bit about who you are and what you do
1: definitely hi everyone my name is lizette i go by the handle technizette on twitter i am working in the ocean field for quite almost a decade and i'm currently working in dutch law enforcement with the dutch police specifically Um, and i'm also very active on twitter as I mentioned before, as TechNazette, and I'm also one of the co-founders and a board member of OSINT Curious.
0: How did you first get involved in or interested in OSINT? What was your origin to it?
1: That's a funny story, actually. So when I was like two or four years old, I always dreamt of being a primary school teacher. So that has been my life goal throughout my whole education. So I got my degree in teaching and as I was doing that, I was working part-time for a Dutch social networking site, which was similar like Facebook, but f- focused mainly on Dutch-speaking people, so the Netherlands and Belgium. As I was working there, I didn't even know I was doing open source investigations. I was just doing a lot of searching and I was one of the people responsible for contact with law enforcement. So whenever they would send a subpoena or a request for user data, I would be the person helping law enforcement out. And during that time, a couple of high profile cases came by and they asked for help as well. And I immediately started to think with law enforcement, like, hey, if you're subpoenaing this with us, make sure you go to a internet service provider asking for the registered details of an IP address, for example. And that's actually what, triggered me going deeper into OSINT because people who are I was working with from the law enforcement side, they actually told me, well, you're doing very well on OSINT. And I was like, OSINT, oh, what's OSINT? So I had to Google it at first. Um, yeah, so that's when I've noticed. I had a good sense of how to find information online and it actually triggered me going for working for law enforcement because the the social networking site i was working for they actually had well facebook was like in their neck and a lot of people left the platform so we had to fire a lot of people there was a big takeover by a big media firm they bought the social networking site which didn't work in their benefits So my work was also not a lot. There were days when I was watching series like TV series on my work with my boss knowing because she was doing the same. One of the law enforcement officers actually suggested, well, do you want to come and work in law enforcement? And I was like, no, 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 no. I've got a teaching degree. I need to go into teaching. But actually, I didn't. And I'm still in law enforcement, actually loving it a lot. And still doing some teaching but then to mostly adults or students in universities um, in the field i'm very comfortable in the field of OSINT when
0: somebody is first starting out what are your tips tricks strategies that you like to give to somebody what what are your uh, what's your advice to a beginner in the field of OSINT
1: so this is a question i get very frequently especially from colleagues they are like oh you're doing some googling that sounds very interesting I want to do the same so one of the things I always suggest to them is to get on Twitter not just because well first of all to get a sense of if you're not comfortable on social networking sites Twitter is very easy very simple to use because the privacy rules aren't like you can open something for a select group or some people or this or that like you can do in facebook where you have different sections of your profile which you can then exclude for a number of people or all of your friends twitter is very easy very basic get on there create a profile start pushing some buttons and start looking for the hashtag oh because If you look for the hashtag OSINT, you immediately see people who are posting frequently about it. And those are the people who are interesting to follow and see what they have to bring to the table. So by reading Twitter, instead of reading your everyday news sites, just get on Twitter, read it, click on a couple of links. You can immediately know what has gotten, um, which is interested for you The most like, do you like programming? Do you like searching on Google? Do you like social networking investigations? And you will find your niche within there. And getting some basics also requires a training. I think it's a good good thing to start with like a simple training. There are a lot of countries where companies offer like a three day basic beginner OSINT course. Just get yourself like, put yourself. Um, in Dutch, we say, onderdompelen, which is like, put your head under the water, get soaked up with all of the information you get, and get that base going, and then go from there. That's probably the best advice I can give.
0: So just jump in and do it. Yes. If somebody goes on Twitter and they start following the OSINT tag, they're going to probably find a lot of tools. Do you think tools are a good place for a beginner to start with?
1: Well, I think starting with tools, it's just messing around a little with them. And then when you know what kind of tools there are, then probably people will start reading the manual. It's like what you do with an Ikea box. Like if you open an Ikea closet, you start like putting all of the parts everywhere and like organize them, get all of the screws in one bowl and get all of the little wooden I don't know how to call them in english get them in another role and then you get the manual out that's probably how i started too messing with the tools then getting to know the manual on how to properly use them and how to make sure you collect the information in a good and correct way of course another advice i want to give out to everybody who's listening and who wants to get started in OSINTs, don't start on major cases like where you can break stuff where you can maybe get legally in some situations you would rather not be in. So maybe start out with just looking for your high school sweetheart to see where he or she ended up. It's just like the innocent searches. Probably start out with those.
0: That sounds like great advice. What is your typical methodology or strategy when you start an investigation? Let's say you're looking for a person and you've been given a first name and a last name. I don't know if that's enough information. What would you start? What would be your strategy with that?
1: Well, I'm not quite sure if this goes for all of the listeners and all the countries they reside in, but in the Netherlands, sometimes people have names they gotten when they got christened or baptized, but those are not usually the names they go by. So whenever I would look up a person, I have the opportunity within law enforcement to look them up in the city register and I will see their full name, not per se the name they go by online, for example. So I need all of those names in order to properly start. That's the best way for me to go. Uh, I will start looking for a person. But if I run into a dead end, let's say that person is not very active or maybe he is in a certain age group where you would not expect people to be active on either social media or anywhere online, I would go with their social circle. So these would either be relatives or people they work with or maybe neighbors or like people around them. Because the thing is, if you try to hide online, there's always somebody who, how do you say that, rats you out. So me, for example, I'm not out there on Facebook by my real name. But if you find my social circle, I bet there will be pictures of me on those profiles because we had a barbecue somewhere or we went on a holiday. And that would be the way to still get the information you're looking for. So starting off first with their personal information, so their name, if you run into a dead end, start working for the people around them. That's probably my methodology when it comes to searching for persons or people.
0: It does seem like often people who have good OPSEC probably hang around with other people that don't have great OPSEC. It might've been Micah recently who mentioned that he's had great success with somebody's uh, mother that usually mom is going. Moms,
1: to. moms, grandmothers, and girlfriends, because girlfriends always want to expose how proud they are of their relationship, and they often do it very publicly without thinking of the privacy settings. For example,
0: that seems like a, a great tip for people to use to try to find somebody. You also mentioned that you are one of the co-creators of OSINT Curious. How did that come about? Like, It's been around for a little bit of time now. How did you come think, up with the idea to create I think that?
1: it's three years now. Well, it happened, it's actually quite a funny story. So. For Dutch law enforcement, there is a conference once a year where we have most of our digital forensic specialists. So people who take apart computers and cards and all kinds of digital devices uh, and people who do open source intelligence as well. But it first started out that conference as only focused on digital forensics. So we we came looking from behind the door a little bit from being there very actively and very involved in hosting the conference. And about three years ago, uh, I was in the organizing committee and I had the opportunity to invite speakers from all around the world to talk about their expertise on uh, open source investigations. So I invited Micah, I invited Benjamin Strick, Lauren Bodo, Dutch OSINT guy was there too, Sector 035 was there too, And there was this one night where we all got in some beards, and we were just like hanging around, putting our feet up on the table, talking about our passion. And we came about talking about how we sometimes get frustrated when, for example, journalists would do open source investigations but take the wrong conclusions. And we were talking about how to uh, mitigate this, like how to getting the conversation about pointing out to a specific person that you're doing something in the wrong way and you're getting the wrong conclusions. And that might be hurtful for people. And we were thinking about how can we do this in the correct way? And Michael was actually the first one to say, well, you have to be curious. You have to be, OSINT curious, and that's how the name got there. And we were thinking, well, well, You can get the confrontation going with a certain journalist or whoever might be doing something in a wrong way in our eyes. But what if we can teach people in general how to do this in a correct way for free? Because not everybody has the resources to pay like either a hundred euros or dollars to up to a thousand dollars or euros to get themselves proper training. So what if we. Uh, and we consider those to be people who are very advanced at doing OSINT, can teach other people how to get good resources, how to get right conclusions. So that's how OSINT Curious was born, actually,
0: over beers. And what are some of the things that OSINT Curious does now? What are some of the resources that are available to people?
1: OSINT Curious focuses on sharing as much knowledge from us Um, and the board and advisory members has changed over time. So we've gotten some new people in there as well. And we focused on bringing information specifically to people um, in different ways. So people who might be loving to learn via reading, we have a blog where we post blog posts on specific kinds of subjects on OSINT. So either social media or more on a technical side, Uh, For people who like watching more, we have a YouTube channel where we have 10-minute videos because we know people don't like to stare at their screens for a very long period of time. So we made it to a maximum of 10 minutes. So within 10 minutes or less, you can learn a specific OSIN technique. And people who like uh, listening more, we have a biweekly webcast, which also is given out as a podcast as well and we do bi-weekly interviews with all kinds of people who are relevant for the OSINT world. So you can listen to see if something might be of interest for you.
0: I see on OSINT Curious that you've written about Snapchat. Is that area of expertise or interest for you? Is social media a big area of interest?
1: Yes, I think social media is probably my big OSINT love or something, however you want to describe it. It probably has to do with the fact that I worked at a social networking site. So I understand how it works, how data is processed and stored and how a website is built up. So I know better where to look for information because I have worked at Dutch social networking site for over five years. So I knew it very, very well. So getting onto other social networking sites, it takes me. Okay, have to be honest. A couple of hours if it's a very new uh, social medium for me, just to get a hang of it. Where where everything is? How does it go? Where you find your friends or your followers? How does it stored? How does it look at the uh, at the back end of the website? Like how does the source code look? Is there information to be gathered there? Um, Looking for unique data as well, like an ID number, for example, because those are Uh, points of interest for me as being in law enforcement, which are really relevant. So whenever I want to subpoena a company, I need to have that specific unique um, data point, like a user ID in order for me to proceed in doing subpoenas and stuff. But yeah, social media is probably the thing I love the most. Although privately, I don't do a lot of social media. I mainly do it for work.
0: And is social media largely archived if somebody deletes either tweets or Facebook pages or their snaps or anything like that? if Once somebody deletes items from their social media, is that easy for you to find?
1: Not always. It's also very depending on the platform. I will have to say that for different platforms, there are different places to go to. Archive.org is probably the most known internet archive there is. Although they do a very fantastic job of archiving content, they aren't always the best when it comes to archiving social media websites. That mainly has to do with the fact that they use a crawler, which is a piece of software that visits the websites and takes like a screen grab or screenshots and archives it for you to look whenever you want to. So within that crawler, there is no logged in profile and everybody who does internet investigations on social media net uh, on social media sites they will know that if you're not logged into the website with a username and password you often don't get to see everything so either you get a pop-up saying hey you need to log in in order to see the information or you get a limited amount of information that can be seen So this is what happens to the crawler as well it visits the website it doesn't see everything so it doesn't capture everything so archive today or archive.is they change their domain every once in a while i'm not quite sure why they often have a crawler where there's a profile already logged in so for a very long time if you wanted to archive a facebook profile that would be the ideal to use because you would enter in the profile URL and it would scrape the data with a logged in profile. And it has been, I think it was November, 2020, when that started to, well, it stopped working for a little bit. So if you're now looking for Facebook archive data, you might find something there, but if you do a new request in order to archive the data, the profile is no longer logged in. But for example, it does an amazing job when looking at LinkedIn profiles, which also are very difficult to take a look at whenever you want to view somebody's profile without being logged in and having that scraper from archive.is or archive.today is a tremendous help. So it probably depends on the kind of social networking sites you're looking into to see if you are able to find any archived content. So it depends on that, I guess.
0: When you're doing your work with law enforcement and performing the OSINT, do you also ever include any degree of social engineering? Do you ever directly interact with any of the people that you're looking for? No.
1: Sadly, no. I, I would love to because I find uh, social engineering a very interesting part of this specific field because it has a psychological side to it as well. But yeah, unfortunately, or fortunately, legally, I'm not allowed to. So within Dutch law enforcement, we have a public prosecutor, which is the lead of our investigation. For every kind of special interaction we want to do, we have to consider talking to the public prosecutor and getting his or her approval to do certain investigations. Which also means I'm not allowed to check somebody's profile like every single day to see what they're up to unless there is a legal, um, I'm not quite sure how to say this in English, but we have to have legal approval of our public prosecutor in order for me to visit somebody's profile on a daily basis. So it's pretty strict here, which is a good thing because at no point somebody's privacy must be invaded if it's not allowed to so it's a good thing
0: and how about while you're doing your investigation how much do you try to get into the head of the person that you are investigating and try to think like them in order to be able to find their tracks or find information about them
1: well it depends when i'm looking into somebody who has been in contact with law enforcement already I like reading the interrogations previous agents already had with that specific person just to see how he acts, or I'm talking about he, but it could also be a she, of course, uh, how that person reacts or what they show of themselves in order to kind of think, well, it might be likely this person would be on Facebook or maybe even on Snapchat, or where can I go first in order to find information about this specific person? So that's probably one of the things I like to do in order to get in the head of somebody. And in order to find that information, I always try to use like the language they speak, which is not per se like Dutch, but they sometimes talk in a certain slang. For example, the youth talks online very differently when you're talking verbally to them. So using specific acronyms, I think is the word, Or terminology they use in order to find the information they might be uh, exposing online.
0: I should have asked you this one earlier when you were talking about OSINT curious and wanting to help people to understand investigations. What advice do you have for people to understand the context of investigations? I've talked to other people who do them and they frequently say that the evidence will lead them in a direction, but then they start making too many assumptions and it's pushing them in the wrong direction. I think it was even Michael Bazel who said that he assumes the information that he has is wrong until he proves otherwise. What is your feeling or your opinion on that?
1: Well, I must say I agree with him, but working in law enforcement, specifically the division um, I'm in, I have to keep to my facts. So I cannot make any assumptions because we cannot convict somebody based on an assumption I have. We have to keep it by the facts. So if I find something online, there is always a certain doubt to it because I have to confirm it another way. So if somebody would be example, we're looking for a fugitive and he is posting photos of himself um, at a beach bar somewhere in a certain part of France, for example. And I can geolocate those photos. And I can say, well, uh, according to shadow calculations, for example, we know it's a specific time range when he was supposed to be there when the photo was taken. But there is always the possibility that there has been Photoshop or it's an old photo that has been posted or we have to get confirmations via another way as well. So whatever I do, has an effect on all of the other colleagues within a team. So, for example, if I find out that that person is hiding in France, maybe the financial investigator can look at his bank account to see if there are any withdrawals in that area, which confirms he might be in that area during the time we were looking for him. So, I do agree with Bazelle. And for me, I have to stick to the fact that I cannot make any assumptions. So, being wrong until you're fully right is probably the best way to explain it.
0: And it seems unfortunate that your targets don't take photos with a picture of that day's newspaper in front of them.
1: No, they certainly don't. No, no, no. <laughs> that would be a very easy way for me to figure out what time and date they were at a specific location, though.
0: <laughs> Have you had investigations where you felt as though you were pretty well stumped and didn't think you were going to get the answer, and then there was one little tidbit or one little small piece of information that was the tip of the iceberg and pushed you over the top well there were a couple
1: and some of them haven't been on trial so i cannot get fully into details but there are a couple of cases which really are um, engraved in my brain i will probably never forget them so the first one was a man, which had a financial role within a certain group. That's probably all I can say. And our financial investigator said, well, it appears to have that. He only has two companies registered to his name. So if he has that specific amount of money, we don't see it in the books. So I said to them, well, I wouldn't mind taking a look give me his credentials and i will start investigating him online so we have like a mind map of what he had it was like this big probably um it would be a quarter of a piece of paper like a normal sheet of paper and as i was doing my investigations i started to notice that his name he started using his wife's name as his surname in certain documents And I started finding like foreign companies, like on the Seychelles, in the UK, in Spain. And I was like, hmm, this is quite interesting. And also property registrations to his name and like bars, hotels, restaurants. And I was like, this is very, very interesting to see what's going on. So I reported this to the financial investigator and she was like, whoa, I never knew, I was like, well, let me get in a social circle. Let me get into his family, friends, coworkers, et etc. And then, throughout relatives of him who had open Instagram profiles, open Facebook profiles, etc, I was able to geolocate all of the properties they were showing online, matching them with the financial data. and we had like a whole company structure outside of the Netherlands. And suddenly the mind map went from like a fist big to like multiple sheets of paper because we can connect everything to each other because he was using different names. So that was probably one of the cases I was really happy to contribute from my side. And it actually made a difference because within law enforcement, people sometimes look at me like, Oh, I can Google too. Like, why do I need you in my investigation? And this actually really proved my value in the investigation. They actually, after that, had a specific position as an OSIN investigator in that specific unit because I was just helping them, helping them out, like as a, as, as a favor. It was not the division I was working for. Uh, so they opened up a position to hire somebody to do those. Another one, of my favorites is a it wasn't even an, an official investigation, but when working for the police we sometimes get alerts from for example interpol and europol for to look out for people and one of the people being mentioned was a young girl from australia who got on a plane to the netherlands Uh, very, it went very fast. She didn't inform her parents. She was like, she texted them on the way to the airport saying, Hey, I'm going to the Netherlands, I will be back in a month. Lala, this girl was mentally unstable. Um, she was on medication as well, and her parents feared for her life that she might be human into human trafficking or getting into prostitution or something. But because she was older than 18 they weren't allowed to get the whole possible kidnapping human trafficking thing going so they asked the netherlands for a welfare check so whenever they would l- run into her just to check if she's okay and report back to interpol uh, to make sure she's okay so i got those news uh alerts like every single day and because the news aler- alerts were not something I would be doing on a daily basis because my focus would more be on the serious and organized crime. I sometimes would take a couple of minutes from work, dive into those alerts to see if I can find information that might be helping that specific case, just because it took me out of my comfort zone to use sources I might not use in organized and serious crime. So this girl had a Facebook profile. And she stated she was living in the Netherlands. She was saying she was living in the southern part of the Netherlands around the area of Eindhoven. But according to the Interpol uh, message, she would be in the north of the Netherlands. So this contradicts. So I was like, this is weird. And they also said that this person was living with a person named Michael. So Michael in the Netherlands can also be pronounced as Michelle or Michelle. So I didn't know for sure if this would be the right spelling because it only had a phonetic way of how to pronounce his name. So I was going through her friends list on Facebook to see if there might be any information, but I couldn't find any. And then suddenly I hit her Instagram profile and she took two pictures of saying, well, this is the front of my house. This is the back balcony of my house. And I was like, this is not Australia, definitely not Australia. I can see a bus stop, which is from a Dutch bus line. So I knew for certain this was in the Netherlands, but then again, there was nothing to see. There was like a bridge going over water. There was a soccer field. There was a very small little Creek. I can see the bus line was going over the small Creek. So I know that was happening. I saw some buildings on the back and there was this like tower, which could be like either from a, a mosque or maybe a church or something, but it could also be like, it was a very weird shape. It could also be like a cell phone tower. It had kind of the same look. So I was like, okay, this is weird. And from the backside of the balcony, I can see a couple of gardens and some houses that were connected. And some of them had like big trash cans in the, back, in the backyard. So I was like, hey, I saw a blue one. And in my city, we didn't have any blue ones. So I searched for it, searching well, well, which city in the Netherlands has blue waste bins? So I found a couple. So I was like, okay, this doesn't narrow it down in any way possible. It did exclude the Eindhoven area because they didn't have any blue containers there. So I thought, well, okay, Eindhoven is probably wrong. So I was focused again on the front and I saw this little soccer field. So I was like, hmm, Maybe city councils have a list of where soccer fields are and maybe I can go through all of the soccer fields, which are in the areas where the blue containers were to see if one of them might be next to a little creek. Well, I thought wrong. Those weren't there. And then I thought, well, the bus line is there. And I know that the, that this specific bus line doesn't drive throughout the whole uh, country of the Netherlands. It only goes into certain cities. So I narrowed down the cities that had the blue containers with the uh, cities that has the bus line. So I I had like three cities. One of the first cities I had started with an A. So I thought, well, what the heck? Let's just start with the city that starts with an A because it's the first letter of the alphabet. Let's start there. So I thought, well, I took the bus to work. And when I'm stopping next to my bus stop, uh, we have a big map which explains all of the routes the buses take throughout that area. So I thought, well, let me see if I can find a map of all the bus routes and see which bus crosses water and then to see if it matches the area. Well, there were like tons of bus lines crossing uh, water there. So I was like, okay, this is not a good way to go. Uh, but they had bus lines starting from one to 25 or 26. And I thought, well, Let's just give it another five minutes. Let's start with bus line one. And if it doesn't go anywhere, I'll get my hands off and we'll let the case rest. Because it's not a high priority in any case. So bus line one, like there was this like geek who had Google mapped whole bus line one, like with all of the stops. Which was excellent for me because then I had the opportunity to get myself in there with Street View. So I was looking at the bus line and it was like physically within Street View going through the whole line. And suddenly I was like at a bus stop and I saw that strange tower. So I was like, I made it, I'm here. So I turned myself around and I saw the apartment building. So I was like, she must be living there. And within law enforcement, we, of course, have the opportunity to search um, in the city register where people live. So I searched for a Michael in that specific apartment building and none of it turned off. So I was like, maybe I'm still wrong. Maybe he lives with his parents, maybe his name is spelled wrong. And we have the opportunity to search with a wild card as well. So I starts for searching for M I C because I, I know probably that would be correct. And then the rest of it would be spelled differently. And I found one person. So I was like, yay. And it also like his name could be pronounced as Michael, but it wasn't Michael. So I phoned up the local department, local police department there saying, hey, you probably got that welfare check for Interpol as well. I know it's in your region. I actually know the apartment building and the number. Maybe you can go over there, give them a ring to see if she's there to see if she's okay. They actually did that. And within the hour, I got phoned back saying, well, she was there. She was head over heels in love with this guy she met online. He paid for her tickets. She flew over. They were completely in love with each other and she was doing okay. And the guy was actually very sweet for her. And together with the police, they phoned her parents to let them know she was okay. So that like really gave me a good feeling. Like I didn't like save somebody. But at least could comfort the parents who were living in a completely different country on the other side of the world, knowing their daughter was okay. And the funny thing is, actually, not that long ago, I did the search again just to see how she was doing. She's still together with the guy. So that's pretty awesome. So I wish them the best of luck and lots of love because I thought it was a cool story. So that's definitely a case that sticks with me as well, although it's not an official case.
0: That's a really fun one. It would have been great if you could have gotten feedback from the parents. And I imagine it was probably for them where they were happy that she was okay, but probably still not thrilled that she was half a world away.
1: I bet so, because I have children myself. And if this would have happened to one of my children, I would probably be very, very anxious as well.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I, I would think I've been jumping on a plane to to the Netherlands as well, just to go try to find her myself. Yes.
1: Well, the funny thing is about that specific story is that the whole search took me about two hours, a little bit over two hours to finally find her. So I was like pretty proud of myself, like having only about a window of two to three hours to find her. So I took this case or this specific uh, investigation to my colleagues and said to them, well, I can figure out where she is can you as well just see how they would approach the case and one of them actually found her within 15 minutes so i was like what did i miss what did i do wrong i mean how he actually looked at the tower first and he said well there was an assumption she was in either the northern or the southern part of the netherlands he knew like he knew where the blue containers were so he would he would google like churches in this specific area and look at google images and then he immediately found the specific image of that cell phone tower slash church tower like thing and he was like yeah i found it and then i looked up on google maps and i was at the same bus stop you were at i just got in a different approach because i thought it might be like a church or um, a religious building and I just started looking for images so he found her like in 15 minutes and i was like damn, I did my best. And I it took me over two hours. And you're now like doing it in 15. But good for you. (laughs) But it was at the same time, a very eye opening experience to see that there's not one way that leads to Rome, there are multiple ways to look at a certain situation, some might find it very fast, like the guy in 15 minutes, or some might take some extra time and look at different items that are visible, for example, in a photo or Information you
0: know of. I think that's a lot of fun to hear the the different paths I was recently talking to uh, Sinwindi about OSINT Dojo and how they share the information about how people get to their conclusions And it seems that's probably just as helpful as anything else to share the methodology that you use Only because there is no one way in order to get the answer there There can be multiple ways and learning those ways is also extremely helpful for learning
1: so what I really like about learning from other people is there is a Twitter account called quiz time. So at quiz time, and they post a geolocation question every day. So there's a picture and they ask a certain amount of questions with it. Not only where is this picture taken, but also like, what was the most expensive thing on the menu? Or what was the gas price at, I don't know, a couple of months back or the picture I took, what is the building that's behind of me? So you have to like do an extra step, not only find the location but do certain extra things as well. And geolocation is something I really enjoy doing, but I also sometimes look at it in a certain way like we saw at the example I explained. like I did something for two hours, somebody else looked at it in a different way. So even though I don't participate a lot in the quiz time quizzes, I read them on a daily basis to see how other people solve the question. Because what they ask for people is to reply to the tweet and stating how they solve the questions. And that's where I learn. So I read how other people solved it in order for me to think, well, if somebody has used, for example, Google Earth, and then the 3D option where the buildings like become 3D, To look at a certain situation, that would probably have not been something I would have done, but it's good to keep it in mind. So whenever I have a geolocation challenge and I need to find a certain location, maybe I can use Google Earth instead of Google Maps, for example, or any other given satellite imagery.
0: If somebody wants to get in touch with you or find out more about you or OSINT Curious, how can they do that?
1: If you want to get in touch with me, you can find me, of course, on Twitter at technosets. Or find me at my website, technoset.com, where I try to share all of the tools and resources I found which might be of use in your OSINT investigation. You are free to send me an email at technoset at pronomail.com as well. Or find the OSINT Curious project on osintcurio.us or osintcurious.com also works.
0: This has been a whole lot of fun. Thank you for joining us today, Technoset really appreciate your time
1: thank you and um i hope it was good
0: thank you for listening to the layer 8 podcast you can find out more information about us at layer8conference.com and find more podcast episodes on many of your favorite platforms we hope you enjoy these episodes as much as we enjoyed making them